Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Would you open your Bibles, please, to John's Gospel, chapter 14. Being our time together, we wanted to step outside of the with series that we've been in and talk about this topic of hope. The title of our message today in John 14 is Contagious Hope. Because true hope cannot be contained. It cannot be stopped. Hope is that powerful expectation of great things. Like the Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 116, uphold me according to your word that I may live, and do not let me be ashamed of my hope. And the text I almost chose for our time today, Romans chapter five, verse five tells us that hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that was given to us. So encouraging. But compare that to the recent statistics and surveys that are out, that one out of 20 people or depressed, or anxious. That's 5%. 5% of everyone report being depressed or anxious. And considering the current population numbers, that's 16,200,000 people reporting being depressed. That's 45,000 people every day the whole year. And with the COVID-19 crisis and the stay at home and the safer at home and do I have it and this invisible virus that's wreaked havoc and then man's decision on how to handle it, all of that, this opinion over here and this doctor over there and this, all of it which for, for many, hope is gone. And I wonder if that's your testimony, that hope is gone, that in your life's hope has been stolen away and replaced with anxiety that the painful circumstances in your life have got your eyes off of faith and away from the faithfulness of God. Even studies suggest further that high levels of stress and worry can actually lead to a number of diseases, including heart attacks, ulcers, depression, nervous breakdowns. They even say some cancers can be related to stress. They say up to 90% of doctor visits in the United States may be triggered by a stress-related illness and illness. It was George Mueller, that man of faith, that said, and I quote, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith, and the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. And I believe that to be true. And we have a greater battle, believer. We have a greater spiritual battle, what the Bible describes as spiritual warfare, where the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. What the Bible is describing there is there's the desire to believe God and the desire to follow God and the desire to obey God, but at the same time, raging inside is also your old sinful habits and how you respond under stress and how you respond when you're angry and when things are outside of your control. And many times the flesh is a response of sin trying to take control of something over which we have no control. And we find that it only gets worse when we give in to the flesh. This is a battle between fear and faith. It's a battle between anxiety and assurance. And for many of you listening, it's an intense battle. 
and it's not unusual. Worry, anxiety, fear are real, true emotions. They're true for believers and unbelievers, for Christians and non-Christians. For the believer, worry is like an acid. It eats away at the very core of our trust in Jesus. Worry and fear are kind of like Siamese twins. Anxiety becomes a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind, and if encouraged and if fed, it cuts into a channel in which all other thoughts are drained. Worry has a way of spreading, have you noticed? I guess you could say worry can be contagious. You know, here you are living life, enjoying life, not a care in the world until you meet somebody that's worried. And they, they begin to share all these things with you and they forward this to you and watch this. And before you know it, now you're worried. You weren't worried five minutes earlier, but now you're worried. And what do you do? You share, have you heard this? Have you seen this? And worry and fear and anxiety have a way of being contagious, just like gossip. Gossip's very contagious. It spreads like wildfire, slander, lies. All sorts of things are contagious for sure. But let me assure you, church, hope is contagious too. Hope is contagious too. And it's been said that the only thing that's more contagious than a virus is hope. The hope of the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ died for your sins and you can place your whole life in his hands. We live in times where, well, life is hard. We know that God is good, but life can be very bad. Things happen that don't make sense. And maybe it's caused you to entertain doubts, be infected with fear. You may even begin to believe that because you're having doubts, maybe you're doubting your faith, you're doubting God, you're doubting the leaders that are put over you, and you're even doubting whether you're saved or not. You, you might even begin to think, well, maybe, you know, believers don't feel like that. Why? Maybe I'm not even a believer. But listen, life is bad and challenging, and you'll have real questions. You'll have few real doubts. And I want to encourage you that when your doubts come, I want to encourage you this habit. I want you to learn to doubt your doubts and believe your beliefs. Like Pastor Chuck Smith taught us, he put it this way. When you come to face things that you don't quite understand and you don't really have the answer, you don't give up what you know for what you don't know. You fall back on the things that you know to be true. Yes, life is bad but God is good. Life is challenging, but God got me through the last challenge. I don't know how this bill will be paid, but I remember when God came through. I remember God's faithfulness. I remember his promise never to leave or forsake me. And right now it's hard. And right now times are tight. And right now I don't know what to do, but I choose to trust in the Lord. I choose to be a man or woman that clings to the word and trusts. You see, they say there are two types of people. I disagree, but let's go with that two types of people. First, there is the optimists. How many of you consider yourself an optimist? All right, thank you for being optimistic. We appreciate that. Sometimes we get mad at you, but thank you very much. Then there are the pessimists. Who considers themselves a pessimist? Yeah, far less hands, uh-huh. Because I suggest there's a third option, and that is, if people don't think they're optimists, they don't think they're pessimists, they think they're realists, which is, I'm in that category. 
a realist. But have you noticed, those of you that cling to the realist philosophy, that rarely does it lead to anything encouraging? (laughs) When you look at the situation, you come to almost the same conclusion as the pessimist. Now, last night, my friend Dave, Pastor Dave from up in Fort Collins must have been watching the service because I woke up this morning to a text and a little meme on my phone that that this was really neat. It gave me another option. Uh, In the little meme, it said, optimists see the glass full, pessimists see the glass half full, and then there was the third option, psalmists see the, the cup overflowing. And I like that. I want to be a psalmist. I want to be the one that sees it overflowing, but right now I'm still in the realist. So I need to choose day by day to trust in the Lord, to remember his word, and to cling to hope, to hold on, and to allow God to be my encouragement and my strength. Today is a call to return to hope, church. That faithful, confident trust in our well-known God. This word goes out to the fearful. And it goes out to the angry. And it goes out to the anxious. And it goes to the hurting and to the broken. To those that have faced injustice and feel like things haven't gone their way. Those that are doubting today. Those that are wondering today. Those that are caught up with emotions that seem out of control. God says, come back to hope. Which brings us to our text today in John chapter 14, to a group of people that were troubled. They are not unlike you and me, where Jesus speaks to to them in verse 1 and he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, verse 4. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. We understand this feeling, troubled hearts. The idea of troubled is disrupted, upset. It's like your peace has been stolen, your peace of mind Your peace of life has been stolen from you. And so your heart, the very seed of your emotions, is troubled. It's anxious. And this is where they are. They've got all kinds of things flowing through their mind. A betrayer is among them. Jesus said he's going to leave and they won't see him anymore. They they have these, well, well, my life is planned out, but it's not going according to plan. What's going on? What am I supposed to do? I don't understand why and how. I think they even get to a place where they're like, I can't take this anymore. I'm sure some of you have said that. I just can't do this anymore. It's too much. It's overwhelming. I don't know how I'm going to make it through. I'm worried and I'm fearful. And, And this is over and above everything you already go through. Those of you with prodigal kids, those of you grieving, those of you hurting, those of you with medical diagnoses and facing the fear and anxiety of of an unsettled world. Your unsettled world has unsettled your heart and unsettled your life. 
And Jesus says to you, let not your heart be troubled. He says, trust me, sons and daughters. I'm in control. I love what Corrie ten Boom said. She said, and I quote, worry does not empty tomorrow of sorrows. It empties today of strength. Worry is a thief and a robber that we willingly invite into our lives. And so what Jesus said, he acknowledges, I know you're troubled. Don't allow your hearts to be so troubled. And he gives you three foundations for hope. For those of you taking note, there are three foundations for hope. Very simple, by way of reminder from our Savior today. Number one, Jesus says, the root of hope is believe in me. Believe in me. That's the essence. That's the foundation. That's the root. Believe in me. He says, verse one, you believe in God, believe in me. It's like he's saying, take me at my word. Trust me in when I say to you. It's stated as a command. Like he's saying, hey, let, don't let your heart speak. So it's stated as a command, but I don't think it was delivered as a command. I can sense the gentleness and the carefulness in the heart of Jesus as he says, as he says to you and me, hey, I know your heart's troubled, but don't let it get there. You believe in God? And you're almost like, yes, then believe in me. Trust me at my word. How does it work exactly? It works through our choices. How do we trust God at his word? We choose. There's a choice before us. We choose to believe in God, which makes it, if, if, it's, if it's the word that we learn, the promises of God, if that's what helps us to cultivate and kindle hope, then it makes sense that the word of God, the Bible, would be important to us. That makes sense. Let me just say to you, let me just say to you right now, that if you spend an hour in God's word, just reading it through, don't, don't, you don't even need to try to understand it. You don't need to know what the Greek or the Hebrew means. I mean, even if you took out your phone and you had the guy that's behind the Bible app, just read the Bible to you for an hour. It will do far more good in your life than an hour of watching the news. It'll do far more good. I, I came home from service last night, curious what's happening in our city. The news was already on in my house. I walk into the empty house, the news is already on. It was on our local channel, so that only for an hour before I went to bed last night, which probably fits why I didn't sleep very well again. Uh, but as I was watching it, it was just looking at our city under complete chaos. And I know there's a lot of responses to when you see that on the news, but my heart broke. This is our city. These are people that are sheltered in their house, afraid, haven't been out for 12 weeks, that are afraid of the people on the streets, that are losing their property and in fear of their lives. And it's just breaking my, this is our city. But then I woke up this morning to find out that it was every major city in our, in our country had some kind of protest and some kind of anger and some kind of frustration that would take me away from the hope. If I watch the news, I always walk away hopeless. What can we possibly do? And how could we possibly change? And we forget, we forget when our eyes are not in God's word, we forget the hope that comes from Jesus Christ. Not only do we forget, but we neglect it. And that's on us. So that we come back to a text and we say, well, why is your heart so troubled? 
And it doesn't have to be anxiety. Why are you so mad? Why are you so frustrated? Why are you so vengeful? Why do you want to run away? Why do you want to run away in fear? Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, you believe also in me. There have been times in my life, besides the news, that I personally, where I've just been filled with anxiety and sorrow. As I'm concerned in the places of my life and the leadership responsibilities that have been entrusted to me. And just overwhelmed with all the things of life. And yet I'm learning to choose to surrender myself to the presence of God. I'm learning to come back to the basics. It's as if the Lord is saying, Ed, remember what I've said to you. Ed, remember what I've promised, what I've shown you. It's like there'll be times when God says, you know, Ed, you've been saved 29 years and not one moment in 29 years have I ever been unfaithful to you, God says. Moment by moment by moment. Have there been times in 29 years when life's been very bad and hard? Yeah. And there were times, I wish I was only 29, but I got a few years before that when I lived in rebellion against God and life was really bad then. And yet God is faithful. And he says, listen, hope number one, the root of it is believe me. Believe me. Number two, notice what Jesus says in verse two. He says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Receive that as a promise to you and to me. In his father's house, there are many dwelling places, many abiding places. And Jesus says, I'm going to set up your home, your permanent residence. Here's number two. Number one, believe in me. Number two, Jesus says, heaven awaits you. Heaven is up ahead. If you're a born-again believer, you don't have to be hopeless because you're going to heaven. No matter what comes your way, you can be sure of, you can be certain of the heavenly hope that's promised to you by Jesus. Jesus says, I've prepared a place for you. He's been up there for, for, for us for in our time period, 2,000 plus years, preparing a place, preparing a place. Heaven is a real place, as real as any city in the world today. You think of the cities that you visited, and you're like, yep, I know that, I know that city exists, I know that city. Well, why? Because I've been there. Now, some of you are saving because you want to visit a city you've never been to before. You just have brochures. You, you have Google searches and images. You, you have some travel, <clears throat> a travel booklet of, you know, one day I want to go to Paris. Or one day I want to go to Australia. And you've never been there, but you believe it's true. You've seen pictures. People have said it's true, but you've never been there. And yet you still believe it's true. So, some of you want to travel around the world. Some of you want to travel to... Wyoming but you've never been there yet but you know it's true you guys with me so far heaven is more real than any place you've ever been heaven's more real than any travel brochure heaven is a real place and I like what Greg Laurie said Greg Laurie said this he said heaven is a prepared place for prepared people and that's where hope comes that heaven is a prepared place. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. And you and I are now being prepared. Heaven is real. And so is hell. As real as heaven is, hell. Heaven is to gain and hell is to avoid. You don't want to spend 
eternity apart from God, friend. You, you want to find yourself as a hope-filled man or woman, boy and girl that trusts God. C.S. Lewis put it this way. All things that ever deeply possessed your soul have been hints of heaven. Tantalizing glimpses. Promises never fulfilled. Echoes that died away just as they caught your ear. If I find myself, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Church, you were made for another world. This world is not our home. So many go through life, though, trying to fill that emptiness, that that God-shaped void and emptiness in their life. They choose to fill it with possessions and money and titles and success and drugs and sex and alcohol, and the list goes on. An empty person chases after sin And sin only leaves them more empty than when they started. With regrets and condemnation and guilt and pressure. And things get worse after sin, not better. You see, heaven awaits every true believer. And deep down inside, you're longing for something that the earth can never give you. Deep down, you're homesick for heaven. And hope is rooted in a person and in his promises to us. The promise of heaven. Jesus died on the cross in our place so we don't have to fear death. And we don't have to place our hope in a broken world, but rather in a perfect heaven. Which brings us to number three as we wind down. Number three, in verse three, Jesus says, okay, believe me at my word. Okay, heaven awaits, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive to you myself, receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and where I go you know, and the way you know. Here's the third hope, the root of hope, and that is the soon return of Jesus Christ. A lot of the anxiety and difficulty you're facing right now is simply because you don't live with the expectation of Jesus' soon return. There is an automatic infusion of hope when you have your eyes expecting the return of Jesus Christ. When you live like he's going to delay his coming or that's just some weird Bible thing or the pastors made that up in the past and maybe he'll come back and maybe he won't, there's no hope in that. Jesus promises his word. Many of you have your Bible open. You see it's in the red letters. Jesus said he's coming again. And Paul would write, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to young pastor Titus, he called it the blessed hope, the soon return of Christ. The blessed hope and the glorious appearing. Let me tell you this. Wouldn't the coming of Jesus Christ solve every problem in your life right now? Wouldn't it just be done and just be in the presence? Our last breath on earth will be our first breath in heaven. Or even better, in the twinkling of an eye, we're in the immediate presence of Jesus Christ to be with him in the air forever and ever and ever and ever. That's where hope is. 
There's no hope in seeing temporary peace. And there's no hope in getting your opinions across. And there's no hope as you just taking a stand and continuing the division. The hope comes as we surrender our lives and live in light of the soon return of Jesus Christ. If you don't see, listen church, if you don't see the days in which you live, you have not been paying attention. You have been walking through life with your spiritual eyes closed. You are seeing in your generation things that no other generation that has ever, I mean none from Adam and Eve to us today, no other generation is experiencing things that you right now are experiencing every single day right now. It almost like, to me, it feels like maybe the generation back in 1948 when Israel became a nation again. One of the most significant prophetic events to ever happen that Israel would be gathered back together as an entity. It's an amazing, amazing prophetic fulfillment. And I can imagine being a pastor back in 1948. Listen, church, you don't understand. This is significant. This has never been seen before by any generation. And now we're a few years past and the last days continue to march on until the final end of the age, till the rapture of the church, the seven-year great tribulation period. And your eyes, if you don't have spiritual eyes, you're gonna miss it. You live in a generation right now where there are global leaders willing to give up their own sovereignty of their own country and give it over to one man. There are people crying out, we need help. We don't know what to do. There needs to be one way to handle this crisis. We need a man. And we know that man's name. His name is Mr. Antichrist. Don't be throwing out names. You don't know who he is. Mr. Antichrist. That was a test. It's like, I know who he is. You don't. Mr. Antichrist. You live in a time where literally, like, like it is, this is no like backyard in the back alley. These are guys saying, you know, we're willing to do it right now. You're, you're living in a time where you can see the collapse of a global economy. Not, not our little city, our state, a global economy. You, you live in a time where they're saying, we need to reunite. We need to have a government that's one. We need to have a leader that's one. We need to have an economy that's one. And we haven't yet seen during this particular crisis a call for a one world religion. But believe me, on the authority of God's word, that's coming. That's your generation. And if you miss it, you're going to miss the fact that you are living in the last days, that the coming of the Lord is closer than ever, ever before. We've never been closer on the authority of God's word. We've been looking at this on Wednesdays, and you need to catch up with us. We're at the end of the book of Daniel. I almost just finished off chapter 12, but, but I was reminded in chapter 12, Daniel was told, what I wrote you is for the end times. It's going to be sealed until the end. And then in the end, it's going to be opened. So we open the book of Daniel. We're understanding it's significant, unbelievable, amazing study and prophecy. But then I said, wait a minute. If Daniel wrote for the end, we better ask ourselves, what does the end look like? And when we ask that question, you know, the Bible has a lot to say. So we've looked at the wickedness of the end times already. And we've looked at the perilous, difficult times. This coming Wednesday, Lord willing, we're going to come together and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 24. And we're going to start looking at what Jesus said to look out for in the end times. Let me just read a very small portion of that. Matthew chapter 24, verse 4. He says, Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. 
For many will come in my name claiming I'm the Messiah. They'll deceive many. Let me just give you an interpretation of that. There's going to be many people in the last days that say, I want to come and save you. You need a savior, I'll save you. And people will go, save us, save us. But like the generation that saw Jesus, they only are thinking of the immediate. Get us out of this crisis. Save us, save us. Isn't that what they did to Jesus? Those that misunderstood Jesus didn't understand he came to save their souls. He came to rescue them from sin. But there'll be people coming in the last days going, I'll save you, I'll take care of you, I'll make sure it's okay. And you'll hear wars and threats. So you might memorize this, rumors of wars. But don't panic. These things must take place, Jesus said. But the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all of this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. So church, all around us, Bible prophecies are being fulfilled. The signs of the times say that Jesus Christ is coming back soon. Jesus even said this. He used the illustration. You can go outside, look up in the sky, see dark clouds, and know a storm's coming. You don't have to go to school for that. You don't have to be a meteorologist. You go outside, you look, you go, oh, there's a storm coming in. And he says, just like you can tell the weather, he condemned the spiritual leaders. He goes, you guys can tell the weather, but you don't know the signs of the times? And I would wonder if that is the word that part of you have lost hope because you're not discerning the signs of the times. Your hope is not in a heavenly return. And because of that, you're discouraged. You're discouraged. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. Precious church, I know that life isn't easy and it hasn't been. It's been a very challenging time for us. I personally have had, I haven't had an easy life. I brought a lot of the pain upon myself and I've also experienced things that were the result of sins of others. I haven't had an easy life. It's been challenging, but so is yours. It's been a challenging three months, three years, 30 years. And yet I know that God is faithful. Hope tells me this. I can believe in God's word. And hope tells me this, I can look forward to heaven. And hope tells me that I can expect Jesus Christ to come at any moment. And by faith in Christ, listen, we're all going to live happily ever after. And that's no fairy tale. That is assurance on the word of God. If you ever doubt that, just turn to the last page of the book of Revelation. And you'll see God wins in the end. You can trust him. And one day as a believer who's put your faith in Christ, we'll stand before God and all of our questions will be answered, all of our tears will be wiped away, and everything will make sense. But if you're not a believer, life on earth, you gotta understand, life on earth, this is as good as it's gonna get. And you're like, boo, boo, I know. This is as good as it's gonna get. But for the believer, life on earth, this is as bad as it's gonna get. Because it's only up from here, literally into the presence of the Lord. Peter put it this way in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by his great mercy that we've been born again because God raised Christ from the dead. 
Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that's kept in heaven for you, pure, undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. We have a living hope and his name is Jesus Christ. Hope is contagious, church, but you gotta give it away, living it out in your life. Hope today leads to strength and vitality. Strength for today, hope for tomorrow, hope for today and strength for tomorrow. Listen, life is so short compared to eternity and yet you and I have an ability to encourage people in the heart, in the very depth of his hopeful message that your sins can be forgiven. You know, when we were praying about opening up again, it started with our drive-through prayer. We knew back then, even before the safe at home order was over, we knew we needed to see people physically. And so we opened it up and said, just drive to the church, we'll be here, and we'll set tents up, and we'll honor all the extensions and all. You know, and we said, just take an essential trip to Safeway and then come across the street since you're there. Just come home through the parking lot and come around because you're right there. And so as people were here, it was the first day, and we were, we were here, and, and I began to see the relief on, on the faces of the people that came. I began, people were crying in their car, coming with great anguish, and that was back a few weeks ago. And that began, then we had a board meeting. I'm like, we just got to talk about this and see what, what the, what's the Lord leading us to do. And, I, and I, I, I just got that sense like hope is being lost. And people are giving up. Believers, they're quitting. And, and when you start to let your guard down, all kinds of other junk starts to fill that void. And, and I know it's time for us to, to take back the reins of our faith. That we, we do not live as victims of circumstance. Circumstances do not control us. The Spirit of God leads us and guides us. And we submit to His control, not circumstance. But you might feel like you're under circumstance, like things are out of your control. And those things get ripped away from you. They get stolen away from you. But I'm here to tell you that even in the midst of great crisis, there's hope. So last night after service... After, uh, after I turn the news or leave the news and I'm looking at uh, my Instagram feed, there's a, there's a notification that pops up that somebody tagged me. And Steve tagged me. Some of you know Steve. Steve is a very vibrant, strong part of our church. And he was a photographer and a teacher. And he was suddenly diagnosed and struck with ALS. And it has rapidly stolen away the faculties of his body. His mind is as sharp as sharp can be. And through his wife, Chisa, we am able to communicate because she's just about the only one that can understand him now. They've got that language, you know. And, and he is vibrant behind the body, stuck in his wheelchair. Tim, you can understand many of this. And last night he posted a picture on Instagram. On one side is Pastor Ian leading worship. On the other side, he's you know, obviously snapping shots of the TV as he's watching online because he's high risk. And he's got this side is, is Ian and this side is me. And he took a much better picture. Ian looked way better on the picture than me. So I don't know what he was thinking when he put that up. 
So he said something like, well, let me just read it to you because I have it. He, uh, I, I took a screenshot and I sent it to Ian because this, this is what's happening. There is hope being restored. And that's my whole point here. Hope is being restored. Even if you doubt me today, you're like, I, I just don't know. I don't know if hope can be restored. Well, listen, this is what Steve, and, and who knows how, if he dictated this to Chisa or he has that thing where he can uh, do with his eyes, uh, he can post and he can text with his eyes. Uh, and he said this, the Bible study taught by Pastor Ed tonight was about the great hope we have in Jesus. However, that's never a good transition, but it was. As Pastor Ian led worship, I had the urge to get up out of my wheelchair and begin to hop. And it's in his heart. The limitations upon him are real. We have laid hands and we have prayed for healing and we have asked for supernatural intervention in his life. But God has chosen not to give us that thus far. But hope is restored in that man's heart. And you may feel like hope will never be restored. You may feel like hope is lost. You may feel like you've lost everything and that nothing's ever going to be good for you again. And that is not true. Jesus says to you and to me, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. You believe also in it. You put your faith in anyone or anyone else, anything else your hearts will always be troubled. But the moment your eyes are fixed on Jesus, the troubling thoughts and anxiety begins to dissipate. And what does he replace it with? A peace that passes all understanding. So if the worship team will come back up, I want to encourage you. We have to change some things. And one of the things we're asking you right now is do not leave, please. We have to dismiss the right way. Um, this section over here, you guys are going to leave after the song through those doors. You guys here are going to leave through those doors. And you guys here are going to leave through those doors as we honor the entrance and exit and all of that. I know it's different, but we're praying for everything to be released. So please don't go anywhere. More importantly than any dismissal, don't go before you make a decision about following Jesus Christ, including you guys online listening on Grace FM right now. The, the essence of our time and why we gather together, whether we do it online or in person, is to preach the good news of the gospel that your sins can be forgiven. And so for the sake of those that are here today, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to invite you right now in this place to decide to follow Jesus, to receive the gift of salvation that's offered to you, the forgiveness of your sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you'd say, Ed, that's me, I would ask you, would you just stand to your feet? I want to pray with you. Now, I realize most of us are here. This is our church. That's great. But some of you might be guests. You don't know. I don't know who's here. And I don't know the hearts and your condition of your heart. So I am asking you today in this place, if you've never, if this is the day you want to follow God by putting your faith in Jesus, let's do it right now. And we ask that publicly because Jesus always asked publicly. He, he always said, you get up and follow me. And it was a very obvious choice. And we want to give you the chance to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible promises you will be saved. And recognizing you may be watching online, listening on a radio somewhere, that we can't see you and acknowledge that, that you're responding, but God knows. And you can ask God right now. You could say, God, I ask you to forgive me. God bless you guys. God bless you. Pray with me. That's good. So now the room has changed. All right. So here it is. 
So you guys online, and we have a couple ladies here that are going to become sisters in the Lord right now. So I want you to pray with me. The Bible says this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart, God raised you from the dead, you'll be saved. So you can talk to God right now. You can say, God, just repeat after me, God, I believe you sent Jesus Christ to die for my sins. I believe he lived, died, and rose again to save my soul. And I decide today to follow him all the days of my life. Help me, God, to turn away from my sinful past. Free me. Deliver me. Change me. In Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.